You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Good morning, Baker. We're 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the shiny new Kintec studio here. In beautiful Grandview Slopes in Vancouver. Uh, Jason, good morning. Good morning. I called it Grandview Slopes. It's Fairview Slopes, of course. Uh, A-Dog, how you doing this morning? I am awake. That's very good. And finally, he also has that dog in him. It is Greg Ballack, a.k.a. Laddie. Good morning, Laddie. Hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned the Kintec Studios here in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. We have a functional camera system now, so if you want to stream the show and look at our beautiful mugs and our beautiful hats, you can do so uh, at, on Twitter, at Sportsnet650. There's a live feed there. But tell them more about the Kintec Footwear Studio, Well, well hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Hold on I, a sec. I, I don't love that. Well, I mean, I do love, but I don't love that we've got way better cameras here. Because, uh... like, the first thing... That anyone is like, some people are gonna see is us. Like, in it's the way morning. too detailed. Way too detailed. Yeah. Look at me. I'm we, waving we, to the people. We just got out of bed. It's Hi. not like we get. It's not like we got out of bed and we're like, well, time for my usual 5 a.m. beauty routine. I guess I better start ironing my clothes. High day bruff at 6:03 in the morning. You know what? I, we, I I'm I'm comforted by the fact that I think the most viewers we've ever seen is like 46 on the live stream. So you know what? <laughs> Even though it's a few, they make the conscious decision to watch us in the morning. And now they get high def. I do applaud that. I applaud those people. Uh, again, we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Have we switched uh, the flip the switch on this one? We are now, we're now live on the radio. Good. Thank. See, this is it's maddening yet comforting at the same time. Before we come on the air, CBS Sports Radio is on, right? Yeah. Now, there's there's this really, it, it's a very difficult situation. There's a lot of steps involved. Someone has to change it over <laughs> to Sportsnet 650. It's, it's, there's a giant red switch that goes chunk. Yeah, it has befuddled the staff and crew here mm-hmm. for the better part of a year and a half. Really we have s- a real top-notch crew here. Um, do, is there a sign-up yet in the uh, producer's room? Where it says, flip the switch to CBS. I'm looking around. We could have another sign that says, it has been zero days since we forgot to switch (laughs) the flip the switch over from CBS. Now, how many many times, is there actually a sign in there that says how many times I've suggested putting a sign in there? That would be a good sign, too. You should put that next to the flip the switch sign. Because the amount of times that Jason has suggested just the sign. Yeah. Is on par just with the put amount a of sign time. In there. Just put like a, sign a little, up. little, uh, you know, you know, one of those sticky things. Yeah, thing? sticky notes. Yeah, Post-it. sticky yeah. notes, right? Yeah. yeah. Can we afford that in this? Or are we? Well, is those that cameras are pretty high def, so okay. we All can right. no longer afford. Okay. We we appear to be on on the radio now, though. We which are. Is yes, a we fixed huge the Huge part of what we do here on the yeah. Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's a key. Speaking of the show today, uh, we got a great lineup of guests as we hit Hump Day, almost Friday, folks. Am I right? Six thirty. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. A lot of stories going on around the NHL yesterday. You had all the major retirements, Zdeno Chara, P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel. You also had, like, moments after we got off the air, uh, Nathan McKinnon becoming the highest-paid player in the NHL. So it was nice that we missed that by a handful of minutes. But we'll talk about it today with Wish at 6.30. We'll look ahead to this week, big training camp stories, 
Uh, preseason for the Vancouver Canucks, of course, starts Sunday. 7.30, Jason Sobel is going to join us. You see him on Action Network doing golf coverage, also on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. President's Cup gets underway tomorrow, I want to say, Jason, if I'm not mistaken, the Quail Hollow Golf Club mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Yeah, the Kakalaki. Of course, you will never play, and probably I won't either. No, probably not. But I am, I am kind of curious by this one. Is in terms of um, prestige among the players, how far south of the Ryder Cup is the Presidents Cup? Because it still seems like a prestigious tournament. It's just not the Ryder Cup. Yeah, it's not the Ryder Cup. But I, I don't know why that would be the first question you'd ask. I'm, I'm really interested in this. How much worse is this than the Ryder Cup? House of negativity. You always start with a little bit of shade. Then well, gradually build up to you it. know what I'm getting sick of talking about? Live golf. Like, I, yeah. I, I liked this story uh, from the start, and I remember a bunch of listeners were like, why are you guys talking about this? It's golf. I'm like, this is an interesting story, and obviously it's blown up into a, a story that even not golf fans mm-hmm. uh, are covering. But, man, I'm getting tired of them talking about it at every tournament, and it's at this tournament now because there are a bunch of live golfers who would have been on the international team, except they went to live golf. But there are two Canadians on this team. Uh, if they do happen to beat the Americans, it will be one of the greatest upsets in golf ever. That's what the international team is up against, even though it's no Ryder Cup. There we go. 7.30, Jason Sobel is going to join us to talk about that. 8 o'clock, Dan Murphy is going to join us for his first hit of the year. Embedded Canucks reporter. Uh, he's going to be making his way up to Whistler with the Canucks this weekend. Talk to Murph about everything that happened. He was up in Penticton. We can talk to him about Young Stars. There's going to be media availability today, as you pointed out in the notes. Media avails will happen today, and then physicals and the really onset of training camp tomorrow. Uh, Horvat, Demko, Miller, Oliver Ekman Larson, and Bruce Boudreau are going to meet with the media today. So we'll talk to Murph about what he can expect there. So again, working in reverse, 8 o'clock, Dan Murphy, 7.30, Jason Sobel, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski on the program. Jays continue their series. What a wild one last night, laddie. Big football score 18 there. 18 runs. That was pretty impressive. to play all of them. Yeah, it was. Uh, we get to see a position pitcher, too, which was nice. That's always great. Can we talk about how pathetic the Pittsburgh Pirates are? We will, absolutely. That was a, that was a loss, a, a collapse of fairly epic proportions. Mm. I mean, granted, it was in the Bronx, but we'll get to that as we talk about Aaron Judge later in the show. You wait for Nations League. Ukraine and Scotland are playing today. It's actually another light night and day on the sporting calendar. There's not a ton going on. There's a lot of baseball. It's not a whole heck of a lot else. So we will wade you through everything that happened yesterday in the world of sports. We'll do that now by telling you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? In light of the fact we just mentioned the Pirates, should we start with Aaron Judge's historic home run and the Yankees' unbelievable comeback? Do we want to go baseball or do we want to go to McKinnon? I think we can do that real quick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron Judge yesterday hit his 60th home run of the season, tying him with the legendary Babe Ruth for second all time in uh, New York Yankees history. Iconic franchise, iconic moment, iconic player. The only thing was... Is that in the bottom of the ninth, Judge's home run, he felt a little sheepish about it because it made an 8-4 deficit for the Yankees, an 8-5 deficit. So he came out and did his curtain call, mm-hmm. but he even acknowledged, he's like, I hit a home run and it made it, instead of being four runs down, we were three runs down. I think they thought the game was lost at that point. So he's a little sheepish about it. I turned the game off then. Did you? Yeah. Well, oh. because I, I wanted to see Aaron Judge hit. Yep. 
he hit his home run. It was obviously one of those moments that you wanted to see. And then I was like, yeah, it's 8-5. All right. Good night. So this iconic moment happens in the Bronx. 11 minutes later, that's all it took. 11 minutes later, the Yankees have loaded the bases against the Sad Sack Pirates. John Carlos Stanton comes up. Do we have the call? Maybe we should have the call because this was a very energetic night at Yankee Stadium, having a historic home run hit, and then 11 minutes later, having this improbable walk-off grand slam from John Carlos Stanton. Uh, let's hear it now, laddie. Swung on, drilled to deep left. That ball is going to be gone. A grand slam to win the game. A no one out, bases loaded, grand slam, bottom of the ninth. And the Yankees have come back in the ninth inning with five runs to win the game 9-8. Stanton finally delivered a bullet line drive in the left field seats. You'll note that the play-by-play mentioned there that there were zero outs for the Pirates. Good try. Good effort. How do you go into the, the bottom of the ninth, four runs up, lose on a walk-off and not get a single out over that time. The Pirates manager after it was like, yeah, our, our bullpen struggled a little bit. <laughs> we couldn't get a single damn guy out. Literally. <laughs> we didn't get one out. Is that, I mean, it, it, you know what? The Pirates stink, but what a great night. I'm not a, I'm not a Yankees guy, first and foremost, right? I, I don't loathe them, and I hate them. I know you hate them, Laddie. When I said we had to get the audio from these home runs, he's like, do we have to? Yes. Laddie, Laddie was just like, no. Yeah, I, I but um, we... We didn't really talk a ton about this chase, this Aaron Judge season. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because baseball always takes a back seat. I don't know if it's because we don't really like the Yankees that much and inherently have a distaste for them. But this is... Perhaps it's because we were off for most of August. That's also part of it. We weren't around <laughs> to talk about it. It's funny. Uh, my buddy AJ owns AJ's Pizzeria. Well, the best pizza in town. Uh, Maine and Broadway area. Uh, he's from New York. Follows the Yankees extremely closely. He said, you know what? What Judge is doing here is truly generational because of the gap between him and the second-place guy in Major League Baseball for home runs, which is Kyle Schwarber, who's 24 back. Well, It's not even close. The other element, too, is that a lot of people, uh, the purists of baseball will consider 61 is still the home run record. It's such an iconic number, right? The movie, Mm -hmm. it still exists, and it's out there on DVD, I'm sure, but I I, I do wonder. They still have DVDs? Still making those Blu-rays? Okay, yeah. My short. Halford still uses VHS. (laughs) He hasn't gotten up yet. My short-lived Blu-ray run. Um, I was just streaming is a fad. (laughs) I love this laser disc. Really going to take off. You need something tangible. You hold in your hands. Um, you you look at this and you're saying, I wonder if that all these other seasons where guys went plus sixty home runs are all tainted, right? If you look at the list, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds. If it's taken away some of the allure of it, because what's the first thing that pops into anyone's head when a guy goes crazy at the plate and starts mashing the ball? Well, is he juicing? Right. That's the that's the inherent for Do me. People anyway. still think that. I don't. I don't still think that. I don't know. I would love to get a listener snapshot of this because yeah. that's kind of the thing with Judge is that he's so far out in front. Like it's mm. not like a year where a bunch of guys are mashing the ball. So he's, you're saying he's on steroids? I, I didn't want to. Put it that way, but I just saw myself walking. Got to ask the question. Rough <laughs> threw it out there right away. Yeah, no, and I there is something. Didn't more... the Canadian writer do that uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. was that? Are we allowed to say? I don't know. I do... <laughs> I feel like was you it know Steve Simmons? No. Are you like, sure? Yeah. It wasn't Steve Simmons who did that. It feels like a Steve Simmons thing. It was DC. 
This is uh, Halford and Bruff do libel first thing in the <laughs> first thing in the morning. This is pretty good. Wasn't a it was a Blue Jay guy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was... Are you giving his initials out? You're yeah. so there. You're so close. Just okay. finish. It Just doesn't finish. matter. Jamie Cox. <laughs> Jamie there, Cox. There you go. Okay. He wrote the article. I mean, he wrote the article. I mean, it's not it's not a big deal to bring it up. It's true. It, it shouldn't have been, you know if he doesn't stand by it. Fine. It was but... during Batista's big year. It was, when, yeah, it was, when he it blew was, up. Yeah. It rhymes Batista, with right? Hamian Knox. Is that yeah, where you, is that where you wanted to go with that? Anyway. Back to Aaron Judge. Um, so, again, I, I mentioned the list of players that he's with. There's only been nine 60 home run series, uh, 60 home run seasons in MLB history. Just six different players have hit him. So, Judge joins two guys in the Hall of Fame, Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. Then the other three guys, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Soser. So, it was a really big day for Aaron Judge. The chase is now on. Roger Maris's family does the thing where they go and follow him around as he tries to get to 60, 61. He's on pace now to hit 66. So I imagine that barring a gigantic slump, we're going to see him become the Yankees' all-time home run king and soon. They got about, did you did you mention how many games? 15 games left around there? Yeah. Around there? Yeah, okay. he's got two weeks left in the regular season. Let's get to the Nathan McKinnon news now. Nathan McKinnon uh, became the highest paid player in the NHL, eight-year extension worth uh, a cap hit of $12.6 million annually. Do you think part of the negotiation was just like, I just want to be, I, I want to have the highest cap hit? A lot of people have been talking about that. Because Connor McDavid's is 12.5 and McKinnon's now is 12.6. I, I, yeah, I, I do wonder if that was a thing. So l- let me ask you a question. If you were the Avs general manager and Nathan McKinnon said, I want $14 million AAV, you'd, would you give it to him? Is he worth I don't it? I know, man. Because like, I think it's, what it's, might. It's hard, it's hard the way you, you phrase that. I mean, I guess is, what I'm saying is, 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 would is it be, still the eight-year term? Would it be worth it? Would you say, you know what, we're almost going to pay you any sum of money barring like maybe 30%? Well, the max any player can make is what, 20%? Right. 20% of the, of the total payroll. Right. I, I would have trouble um, saying to Nathan McKinnon, who just helped my franchise win a Stanley Cup and clearly is one of the better players in the NHL, I would have trouble saying, that's too much to, for us by $1.5 million per season. Exactly. Goodbye. So I do wonder if McKinnon maybe just said, just make me the highest paid player in the NHL. I heard the, the old price is right, $1 over over Nathan McKinnon. I heard or, the boys having the – okay, you done? Yeah. I said I, Nathan McKinnon getting paid more than Nathan McKinnon. I, I heard the boys yesterday uh, on the station talking about um, that 20% b- maximum, right? And whether or not we're going to see players just try and get that now. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because yep. it, it's, it's kind of anti-hockey. Yeah. Like, if people would be like, that's kind of an NBA move, right? To, g- to go out and get the maximum that you possibly can. Supermax. Uh, just because basketball, there's only 12 guys on, on the roster, right? Compared to hockey, which got almost double that. And in basketball, the most important players are so much more important, in my opinion, than the most important hockey players, right? Because they'll play the whole game or most of the game. So for them to go after the max feels different than a hockey player going for the max. Uh Even looking forward now for the Colorado Avalanche. You're looking at um, trying to win another Stanley Cup with Nathan McKinnon on this new deal. And you're looking at their cap situation and going, they've got all these great players locked up, but what's going to become harder 
is filling out the roster, filling out the third and fourth lines, filling out the third pair. Uh, Maybe your backup goalie isn't as good, right? Not that that's a huge deal for a Stanley Cup contender. It's more a big deal for a team just trying to make the playoffs. But it just seems different in hockey culture to try and go after that max. But the first guy that kind of does and is like, yeah, I'm getting the, I'm going to get the, the most money I can. Yeah, it feels like an inevitability that someone will do it. And then once someone does it, everyone will try and do that because, while well, he did it. Yeah, I mean, and that, Like, what know, did McDavid, what was, how far did McDavid push it when he signed his deal? I wish I, I had in that term, information Yeah, I don't have the me. percentage right in front of me. Actually, it's funny that you bring up McDavid because on sportsnet.ca, if you read the story about McKinnon becoming the highest paid player in the NHL, McDavid had the very interesting yet very hockey-esque take. He said that, you know, it's good for hockey that guys are continually raising the bar in terms of AAV and salary, but he also said it's kind of a weird system. There's always going to be give and take. The more money you make, the less money someone else can make. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, I don't even think this is about, like, being humble or having humility. It's just the reality of a, of a system. Hard cap. Hard, the, the hardest cap of any, le- of any league. That unfortunately punishes really good teams sometimes. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon deserved whatever money he was going to get from the Avs. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. He might have been the best player in hockey last year if it wasn't his teammate, Kale McCarr. He was spectacular. And he's been, you know, as we, we joked about him, his nickname the last six years being Value Nate. Which is like, I don't care for my nickname. I'd like a different one. It's not that anymore. But he was playing on a super cheap contract, relatively speaking, which afforded his team the ability to do lots under the cap. Now has, it's time his, to, has his cap hit now exactly doubled? Exactly doubled. See, right? that's where I thought the math was coming from. I didn't. <laughs> but then everyone was like, he's only making a hundred grand more than McDavid. Obviously, it's, he probably yeah. just went to his agent and was like, let's get this done. Just make me the highest paid player in the NHL, and he is now. Um, that first line for Colorado. I did the math last night. I'm not a mathematician by trade, but I believe that top line has an average annual cap hit of $28.85 million. Mm-hmm. Landis Cog, Rantanen, and McKinnon. So they're going to be a litmus test moving forward if you can still remain that successful when that much of your cap is tied up in three players. Well, you're, you're, you're looking at the, uh, their situation there, and it's not like Nathan McKinnon is the only big money player on this team now. Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr each have cap hit of at least $9 million. They've got guys like Gabriel Landeskog, $7 million long-term. Nichushkin, $6 million long-term. I wonder if it's going to end up, they're just going to have to trade someone like Sam Girard, a defenseman. Uh, for me, a very interesting player to watch this season is a guy a lot of people are familiar with in these parts, and that's Bowen Byram. Yep. Because he's only got one year left on his entry-level contract. Now, let's say he has a great season. The smart thing to do for most organizations would be, all right, let's get this guy locked up long-term. Okay? Hopefully he's put his uh, concussion issues behind him. Yep. He was so good for the Avs as the playoffs wore on. Really good. I I don't even think it got enough attention. And I understand there are a lot of storylines at play, but how well he played for the Avs, you're looking at that situation and going, okay, well, the smart thing to do would be to get him signed long-term. Forego the bridge contract, but will they even be able to do that? It's a great question because he is the prime example of a guy that you want to try and lock up long-term for a lower cap hit 
early in the process. You don't want him to, oh, let's bridge him, and then he blows up, and all of a sudden it's like, well, now we got to pay this guy 9 or $10 million annually. The key is going to be how many – or can they get that done? And then how many guys are they going to have to just acknowledge that they're going to have to part with? Because if they follow the Tampa Bay model, look at the amount of quality players that Tampa Bay had to move out. JT Miller, Ryan McDonough. They basically let Andre Palat have to walk in free agency because they couldn't do anything with him and they wanted to have him for last year's playoff run. They have been whittled away. Tyler Johnson was another guy that had, there was a cap casualty there as well. They had to put him on waivers. Well, look at all these guys that the Avs have as pending UFAs this year. They're not stars, but they're going to have to be replaced. JT Comfer, uh-huh. Evan Rodriguez, who of course they got in and just got in on a bargain $2 million one-year deal. The veterans like Andrew Cogliano and Darren Helm. Yep. You're going to have to go out and find those guys again. And again. And again and again and again and again and again. Because the last thing you want to do is lock any of those guys up to term. Because it might not work out. I, we've seen teams bring in a veteran guy and say, this is going to be a perfect bottom six addition for our team. And then 10 minutes into it, you're like, this is wrong. This isn't going to work. It's a very tricky proposition. Again, someone texted in, uh, the hard cap is, is terrible and it's gross. It is for, t- you do get punished for being good. Under this system. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it's just the way of the world, right? It's not going anywhere. The cap is going to remain. Doing the the gymnastics and the flexibility to get it underneath. It is a skill. Make no mistake, it is a skill. But again, you talk about it. I go back to Tampa Bay all the time because they're the model. Look at all the different things that Tampa Bay's had to do to remain successful. PIR. <laughs> and let's call it what it is. And then they've had to sell away guys that they want to keep. Well, the most important thing they've had to do is develop players. Despite not getting, you know, top five draft picks, they've had to keep developing players. God, the funny thing about Tampa Bay is they've actually pooched it quite a few times with their first round draft picks. Yeah, they've just done a remarkable job of almost everything else. Uh, The big pending UFAs heading into this season, and of course one of them is in Vancouver and Bo Horvat, and Bo Horvat is going to meet with the media today. I don't know, they'll probably probably ask him about that. Uh, Horvat, but he he is far from the only one. Uh, Patrick Kane, David Pasternak, Ryan O'Reilly, and I think a big one, Dylan Larkin in Detroit. Yep, I I think they'll get that done. I was doing a little bit of reading last night, and and each side has said the right thing. And Dylan Larkin, the most important thing, he's like, I want to be in Detroit. Yeah, right. And that is the most important thing. He suffered there for so long. He wants to be there when they start getting good. But can you imagine if that goes squirrely, the negotiations, and then all of a sudden they're in this situation like, yeah, it's about time to get good. Yeah, I. I but I a guy do. like Dylan Larkin, like he's heading into the season, there's no certainty on that yet. Because remember, you often only get one real crack at this. And by this, I mean you're still kind of in your prime. Maybe you're a little bit out of it. You're, you're, you're younger than 30. And you only get that one chance to test unrestricted free agency and all that it entails, right? Sitting back, maybe you do some flying around to different cities, you do some interviews, you get general managers and executives wooing you in free agency, and you get the chance for a big payday. Well, I think anyone he, would be intrigued by it. What if he goes into the season and the Red Wings still stink? Like there's just be another no reason improvement there, right? Yeah, it could be another reason to be like Sayonara. I mean, the Patrick Kane one to me is also incredibly interesting because I doubt he finishes this season in Chicago. Yeah. It would seem that if they are going on this path, this trajectory of we're going to stink, we're going to stink intentionally. I mean, they signed guys like Athanasiu 
and Max Domi for the sole purpose of trading them at the deadline, right? They sent them to one-year deals that were affordable. These are guys that get traded almost every deadline. So they're, they, they are designing to stockpile picks, move assets out during the year. Imagine what a boost Patrick Kane would give yeah. to a contending team. I think O'Reilly's interesting, too. Same. And by the way, Tarasenko is a pending UFA. O'Reilly's 31, Tarasenko's 30. And we've seen Doug Armstrong in St. Louis sometimes play these situations tough. Like, yep. I'm not going to lock up these older guys. You I mean, do it with David Backus. Look at the moves that they made this offseason. The big money guys were Robert Thomas, so smooth, and Jordan Cairo. And they got the long-term big money deals because, one, they're younger. Yeah. Two, they're obviously the future of the team. Like, all due respect to O'Reilly and Tarasenko, but you could make the argument that they've played their best hockey for the Blues already. Yeah. Like, it might well, not Petrangelo get Petrangelo got away. Yeah. Back is Petrangelo. There's a, yeah. a ton of guys. Armstrong has had a history of making the tough decisions and letting guys walk. It has allowed them to be a perennial playoff team, but obviously never as good as that Stanley Cup team from a few years ago. We are up against it for time, ladies. It's nice to be getting right back into the hockey talk. We're so close to the start of the regular season as we eagerly count down the days until training camp and then training camp be over and then the preseason. Then the preseason's over and then we're into the regular season. Who better to get fired up about the start of the NHL season than our next guest? He'll be joining us on the other side, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. We'll go around the league. Tons of big stories yesterday. We can get into all of them with Greg. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. It is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Do you remember? 704 on a Wednesday. Not just any Wednesday. What Wednesday is it, Greg? The 21st of September. Good pull. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hour two underway. Hour two of the program brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. There are three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Get A-Dog grooving back there. Is it the last day of summer or something today? Did we the first day of fall? First day of fall. I thought that was tomorrow. Yeah. See, this 20, is where we've see, had this, this is discussion. Where we struggled. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's sometimes it's the twenty first, sometimes it's the twenty second. Yeah. They no, gotta just pick a day. There's no actual scientific answer. I think Earth, Wind, and Fire gave us the answer. That's can, true. Can I just go on the record that uh, this weather that we've had this week? The best. Yeah, it's great. Like, it, it, you, you can't top this. Yeah, if, oh, see, this if, this, is, if summer this was like perfect. this all summer, yes, I would perfect. like that this season. Yeah. This is perfect. I even like that it gets a little chilly at night. Yeah, it's nice. A little crisp at night. Yeah. You can sit in the sun without roasting in the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just get excited because it Dear, smells like Halloween's coming up. Okay. Dear God, <laughs> this weather all the time. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be gone in two days now that we've said it out loud. Yeah, there's going to be heat dome in three days. <laughs> Followed by a rain dome. It'll be great. Okay, we asked the question prior to going to break about which Canucks prospect are you most excited to see this year? Now, we said this knowing that there's not like a laundry list of candidates for which Canucks prospect you're most excited to watch this year. Here's the thing. That wasn't even the question. That I, I'm, I'm just big picture. Which guy are you most excited about? Sure, I'm not talking about... 
on the Canucks. I'm not talking about this season. Just who who are you excited about? Klimovich. Okay. You've okay, why? Because he looks good. I mean, he looks like he's very involved all over the ice. He seems to be decent defensively. He's good offensively. Reads his teammates well. He's a good shot. Seems to have playmaking ability. He's very physical. Like, I just haven't seen anything yet that I'm like, oh, this guy doesn't seem very good. So I think that, I think he's definitely one of the candidates, Klimovich. Uh, the other one would obviously, or a few of the other ones, would be Lekaramaki, who was their first-round draft pick. Right. Uh, in terms of draft pedigree, he is the highest. Right. Um, Jack Rathbone, I think we're still going to count as a prospect because he hasn't graduated to the NHL. Uh, someone texted in with Pod Colson and Hoaglander. I-, I don't count those guys as prospects anymore. I realize that Hoaglander c- could very well see some time in Abbotsford this season, especially if he doesn't have a strong camp. But I feel like those guys have kind of graduated from being prospects. Hoaglander's Someone, played 116 NHL games. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's that, those guys aren't prospects I've got anymore. A little They're bit NHL of time, players. I've got a little bit of time for the Pod Colson thing because he's coming up his true freshman rookie campaign. So you get to see really if he's going to yeah. fall in. But outside of that, I mean, he's he's a full fledged NHLer. I don't think we need to have a, like a vehement yelling at each other debate about what qualifies as a prospect. Shut uh, up! Uh, someone texted, and I'm curious to see if Kuzmenko can deliver on the hype. Um, I, I mean, Kuzmenko, I, I guess you could call him an NHL prospect because he hasn't played any NHL games. Too old. He's too old, according to Halford. He's 26. He's let's let's start with um, Klimovich and just talk about our expectations for him this season, and we can run through a few of the other guys. Because uh, this is a guy that went to the AHL very young. Remember, the Canucks had a decision to make last season. They could have sent him to Major Junior. Mm-hmm. But they were like, eh, you know what? He'll probably just pile up points. We we. We won't have, uh, you know, we won't be coaching him directly if we let him go to Major Junior. Let's bring him into the AHL. We've got a very veteran-heavy team in Abbotsford, so there's going to be lots of um, good role models for him. He'll be close to us. This is, you know, isn't this the reason we brought our farm team close to us yep. so we can keep an eye on on our prospects? Um, I think his season was went totally as expected. Like, it was a little bit up and down. He showed flashes sometimes. And then other times he was like, yeah, it's not the best, right? right. Um, and I know, I think Drance was discussing this on Twitter, although I spend less time on Twitter these days, but I kind of saw this. He's And he was talking about expectations for this season. And he was like, this season, it's not like it's a make or break season for Klimovich because he's still, he'll still be one of the really, really young guys in the AHL. He's 19. This season. He's 19. There aren't yeah. many teenagers in the AHL. I think the interesting thing, if you want to take a step back and look big picture, when we talk about the lack of NHL-ready prospects in the system and in the organization, which is why there's so few to look forward to at the start of this year, you could kind of make the argument that what they did last year with Klimovich was a small step in fast-tracking a little bit. Instead of sending him back to junior, you're like, you know what? Maybe let's throw him into the deep end a little bit and we'll get his professional career, his AHL career, kick-started just a bit earlier. Because you know what that allows you to do is over-season or marinate even longer because he's going to have a bigger track record of American League games. There's nothing wrong, as the old um, Detroit Red Wings teams used to show, where guys would sit in Grand Rapids for three yeah. years 
at a time. There's nothing wrong with it. You just have to kind of get ahead of the game and have a guy down there when he's 18. It's nicer to have a guy play in the AHL when he's 18, 19, and 20 than 21, 22, 23, right? I mean, that's kind of the there. It's always easier to, uh, what do they call, over-ripen prospects or – Sure. It's always easier when you're a good team. Yeah, absolutely. The NHL team. It's, and you it's have way to... harder when you're not very good because the right. fan base just wants something. It's like, remember play the kids? Play the kids. Play the kids. That was what the quote-unquote smart hockey fans were saying before. It might have screwed up the Canucks. Yeah. Imagine right. if they had, they had you know, Jake, Jared McCann, Adam Gaudet, all these guys that they wanted to. Like even a guy like Ben Hutton, mm-hmm. right? Put them in the NHL for a little bit longer yep. uh, and let them go through their ups and downs away from the spotlight, yeah, away from the it. glare, away from the guys like us who are obviously going to be watching the big team close up. And it's just less pressure and you can, you can go through those. It, it's so natural uh, for a young player to stand out in training camp because that training camp means so much to that player. The veterans have been through training camp before. It's it, it's almost reminiscent of the bubble yep. in that there were a bunch of teams that went to that bubble that were like, I'm not really into that. But the, the Canucks in that bubble were like the young kid at camp, like so excited Just to be over. in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So excited to be in this situation because it was a big deal to them. That I think you have to acknowledge sometimes, and and the Canucks management had this philosophy like, if you show up to camp and you play well, then we're going to find a spot for you on the team. Which I didn't hate at the time. I got to admit, there was something about making a team on merit. Yeah, I, I, like, no, I'm, I know. I'm not going to I'm not going to rewrite history and be like, what a bunch of idiots. I said, hey, if you show up and you're in unreal shape and you go out in the games and you perform like you belong on that roster ahead of some other guys then you should make the team. There's something to be said on making it on merit. We're just having the discussion because the flip side of it is, yeah, but it's the preseason. Or, yeah, but it's early. What happens 20 or 30 games in when the reality sinks in? They're like, I got a lot to learn about how this league works. On Klimovich, I get that you're excited, Andy, and it's part because you have that youthful exuberance that I want to siphon out of you sometimes. Hey, Andy, were you excited about Goldobin? I was No, I don't remember being stoked about him. I I was curious. Because the reality on this, uh, the reality on Klimovich is he. This is he's going to be an average for the whole year. I mean, if if he makes the Canucks roster at some point this season, it's either because a rash of injuries yeah. hit or they're playing out the string late. And mm-hmm. even if they're playing out the string late, you'll notice they didn't really bring Rathbone into the mix last year. They still kept him in the American League. They're like, do your thing down there. Rathbone to me is the only answer to this question because I think now is the time. I, he can go back. To Abbotsford for sure. Well, it depends right? what question you're asking. I'm talking big picture. Which Canucks prospect are you most excited about? It doesn't have to be for this season. But it's for me, it's this season and beyond. Because all due respect to LeCaramacchi, I don't know when that's going to develop. That's not going to be any t- I don't think we're going to see him in the NHL anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be this year. I don't think it's going to be next year. So I'm yeah, a but very, who do you think is going to be the better player? That, I, I feel like that, that is the question. Yeah, and I, I honestly, all due respect, I don't know how Lekaramaki is going to pan out. It's not like he was a top five pick that you're like, we just can't yeah. wait to th- get this guy into the NHL. He was a mid-round, first-round pick. The chances of success, obviously, p- percentage-wise, drop. To Rat- Rathbone, we've talked about Rathbone up and down and left and right, but I think it's vitally important that you find out exactly what you've got. 
I think it's pretty exciting that Lekker Amaki was a 17-year-old playing in the top division of Swedish pro hockey. I do too. Now, what's funny is that this coming season, he won't be playing in the top division of Swedish pro hockey because his team was relegated this past season. And I was reading in The Athletic, and I thought I think they made a good point here. That might be the best thing for him. The old Al Svenskan. And relegation, this is what was written, relegation tends to result in high-profile departures, which we'd expect will result in more minutes in a league that's better suited for the development of an 18-year-old player. Now, Lekker Amaki played in that weird World Juniors tournament over the summer, right? Uh, he didn't look great, as expected. He's a young player. I wonder if he's going to be one of these guys that plays in three World Juniors. Could be. Because he's going to probably play on the team, uh, obviously, at Christmas time. But then he'd also be, unless I'm getting the math completely wrong, eligible for another World Juniors after that. And that's the one that I really think you should be circling. Sure. That's that World Juniors. Because even this upcoming World Juniors, he's only going to be 18. His birthday's in July. He's going to be an 18-year-old. It's really... um, I know there are the the odd ones, right? Like the odd really good players that go into the World Juniors and play well as an 18-year-old or even a 17-year-old in very rare circumstances. But it's really a 19-year-old tournament. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the guys will get drafted, and, and these are good players, let's say for Canada. They'll get drafted, and they won't make the World. They'll get cut. Yeah. Like guys like Nick Suzuki were cut from the World Juniors. Right. Because they just weren't good enough. So... Even though I will be excited to watch Lecker Mackey at this upcoming World Juniors, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and go, he has to be good. He has to be dominant just because he's already played in a World Juniors. Right, but part of the reason that you're going to be watching so intently is because with regards to Connect's prospects, he's by far the most intriguing one and the one with the most potential. I think that's fair to say. He's been the, their only first-round pick in the last three years. So by that designation alone, he's going to be top of the class in terms of we got a lot riding on this guy moving forward because he represents most of the optimism for their prospect base. I mean, I think- I, all due respect to the, the third and fourth and fifth round picks that people are kind of intrigued by, he went 15th overall for a reason. I also think it's a litmus test in a way for the Canucks scouting department because according to a lot of accounts that I've read, they were much higher on Lekker Amaki than the industry, as they call it. Sure, yep. The scouting industry. So did they get this one right and they outsmarted the industry? Or did they overthink this? Mm-hmm. And did they get overly intrigued with, for example, Lekker Amaki's shot? Right? You, you have to be more than just a good shot. And the story goes, and again, this is this is uh, in the athletic that the Canucks saw more than just a shot. They okay. saw playmaking ability. Now that's also good too, but you have to be a complete player. So you know, this is all about the maturity of a prospect because a lot of prospects are like this, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, that guy's a great skater, or that guy has a great shot, or he's big. You know, how often do we hear that? He's big, right? He's right. big and strong. But you have to put it all together. And that comes in the development stage uh, down in the AHL occasionally. Or, you know, you're talking with guys like now it'll be Michael Samuelson. Yep. 
over in Sweden who who will watch his game and be like, hey, like, yeah, that's all great that you have a great shot, and even if you're a good playmaker, but I know what it takes to make it in the NHL, and here are the things that you have to do well. Uh, another prospect I'm excited about is the other Elias Pettersson because I think there's some real potential there for like a buddy comedy that we could pitch to the team or something like that. And he will also be under the tutelage of Michael Samuelson this year as he's in Sweden. I kind of want to switch gears here because there's, so we've talked about the Canucks prospect group, right? Uh, we talked about the pending UFA group for this season. Another group of guys that I want to focus in on is something that Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic brought up yesterday in a pretty interesting piece. The coaching carousel and the UFA coaches and the pending UFA coaches because, of course, one of them is Vancouver Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. He does not have a contract beyond this year. That's not making him very exclusive company. There are a bunch of other guys. LeBron really boiled it down to consider how many coaching changes there were after the start of the 2021-2022 season, how many offseason hires that they were, and then the disposability of all of these guys. Because they, you know, the NHL is becoming one of the fastest churn leagues when it comes to head coaching changes. Like, these guys do not get a long runway anymore. You could make the argument that if the Canucks hadn't have been as patient as they were with Travis Green last year, they could have dismissed him earlier, and maybe they would have salvaged that season that ended falling short of the playoffs. It feels like Bruce Boudreaux, despite all the good things that happened for the Canucks when he took over, still has to prove to Rutherford and Alvin that he can be their kind of coach. Agree? I would agree. There, it's there is a bit of a prove it element to this year. Yeah, both in terms of what he, he might have to prove to his bosses, and then to everybody collectively, you got to prove that last year's one run was for real. There's that great debate, one of the debates and many debates in on on Canucks Twitter and wherever people argue about the Canucks about whether or not Bruce Boudreaux was Jim Rutherford's guy. Because the people that say he was will point out that when uh, Francesco Aquilini was speaking with Jim Rutherford, Jim Rutherford wasn't quite ready to make a decision. I think he was actually under the weather. He was sick or something like that. Yep. And he wasn't sure if he wanted to do the job of president of Hockey Ops. There were still details to be ironed out. And Francesco Aquilini said to Jim Rutherford, he said, listen, man, I got to make a change. Because we all know what was happening to the Canucks right now. Like, I got to do something. What do you think about Bruce Boudreaux as a head coach? And Rutherford went like, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know? So is that is that giving him, like, he's your guy? Or is that just going, yeah, do what you have to do in the meantime? Yeah, right? It was definitely an unorthodox approach. You don't see it very often. Usually it goes the other way. You hire the big guy in charge, the poho in the gym, and they mm-hmm. pick a guy. Again, it did kind of seem like, yeah, sure. You know, I've always wanted – he did say he always wanted to work with Bruce Boudreaux, right? Rutherford said that. But, but it's not like he went through an interview process no. or or had this big long list of candidates and narrowed it down to Bruce Boudreaux as the one he wanted to target. So yeah. it was a bit unique. And then I think at the end of the season, as it became clear that it might not be an automatic, the Canucks are going to bring back Bruce Boudreaux, which I think really surprised a lot of people, including myself and a lot of the insiders that were that were based back east that might have been just assuming like, oh, like the fans are cheering for Bruce. There it is. Like, obviously he's going to be back next season. And then they started looking into it. Mm-hmm. 
Like I think LeBron wrote about that. He he said it was it was just a weird situation that ultimately the Canucks gave Bruce Boudreaux a choice. Like you come back on the option year of your contract, there won't be an extension, or you don't come back. Mm-hmm. I and will. Bruce Boudreaux ultimately said, "Okay, fine, I'll come back." That is like you, you could have a good you could have a good poll question on that. Was that a vote of confidence or was it not a vote of confidence? Now that's interesting because I do think that the Canucks have done everything within their power to give Boudreaux a real fair shot at this. So they almost brought back the entire team as constructed last year with a couple of additions, right? They yeah, they didn't tear it down. They didn't tear it down. They didn't trade JT Miller, who Boudreaux was, if it wasn't Thatcher Demko, that was his best player last year. I think the, the rearrangement of the coaching staff, which very clearly was dictated by Boudreaux, he was the one that kind of handpicked Mike Yo. I think that that is a, a nod from the organization saying, you know what, we're going to tell you what we'd like to see and give you a chance to prove it. Because they did, right? They're like, you know, we, the defensive breakouts, which yeah. we talked about a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, they gave him a chance to. We're uh, really going to be watching the breakouts this year. Like, look at they, them go. Do they, they look crisp? Are they crisp enough? Do Ooh. the defensemen know what they're doing? I'm going to have a notepad with every time they flip the puck out. And I'm like, uh oh, 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 that's oh, not that's, good. That seemed a little unsure of himself. Man. Yeah. But, but that's something that, you know, in terms of clarity of messaging and deliverables, they said, hey, this is something we want you to work on. So they gave him the chance to do something with it, yeah. right? I think letting him have his own coaching staff is an intriguing one because remember, when he came aboard last year, it was Brad Shaw was still there. He was a tra- holdover from the Travis Green. Like It was different, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You could understand how it would kind of be awkward and uncomfortable. You know, you gotta, you're got you working with one guy, and then you got to work with another guy. You were th- part of what you thought was going to be one regime, and then another guy comes in. So I think that there's enough signs from the Canucks organization that they're giving him as good of a shot to – do this prove it year yeah. as anybody's like, there won't be any excuses. He won't be like, well, I came back in year two and they had traded JT Miller. Or, I came back in year two and I still had the same coaching staff or I came back in year two and I don't know, I got kneecapped by something or other. Like he's got a full arsenal to work with here. I just have no uh, feel for the situation. Like let's say the Canucks start out really well. Do you think Bruce Boudreaux will have an extension by Christmas time? Let's say they start out really badly. Will he get fired? And I have no idea. Well, this is where the landscape comes into play. Because part of having either your guy or not having your guy is often contingent on the other guys that are available. I mean, that's the big thing. It's it's great if you want to fire a coach. I I can fire a coach tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But you need to have a guy to bring in. So you go around the league. But you do wonder, haven't you wondered a little bit if Rutherford and Alvin have a list of guys that they, I, I you guarantee know. you they do. Yeah. The question is, are any of those guys available? Because you could run into a Winnipeg situation, right? They're like, we're going to put all of our all of our chips in the, the Barry Trotz pot here. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't get them, you're like, fine, just give it to Bones. That's what you, you just give it. That's it, right? I mean, that's how the, the gig kind of works. Because look right, around the league right now. Akins is going into his last year in Anaheim. Apparently, Daryl Sutter is going into his last year in Calgary on his contract. Lindy, he seems like a year to year guy. Yeah, right? just like take it. You just I'll sign something later. Uh, Lindy Ruff, who you I'm on my tractor right now. A very sneaky pick by you in the notes, suggesting he might be the guy you want to wager on first to lose their job. First fired, yeah, because Andrew Burnett's there now. Andrew Burnett's an there, coach. and I always like to pick a team that has shaky goaltending. Yeah. What do you think about the goaltending in New Jersey, Laddie? 
well, if Blackwood can come back and be healthy, I think he's a legitimate option. And, and I, I really, yeah. Vanacek. Vanacek, I'm a big fan of as well. I know Mitch Korn was huge, huge on him when I talked to him when they were both in Washington together. He thought he was the future of the Capitals. So I like it. I like the moves they've made. They haven't been, you know, lights out, guarantee they're going to be amazing. But I right. think they're cheap bargain bets that they've made. And and I really like Blackwood still to have the potential to be the number one. Well, maybe Lindy Ruff's going to be the coach of the year. Yeah. It could be. Who knows? I doubt it. But Oh, and then uh, you mentioned Washington. Peter LaViolette is reportedly up on his three-year deal at the end of the year, although apparently they're talking about an extension as well. So it's a really interesting dynamic there. Uh, but we are going to move along here. We're going to get into some golf. President's Cup begins tomorrow. Joining us to break it all down, Jason Sobel from Action Network. Uh, their golf analyst joins us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.